Good morning, everyone. Good to be together. I might be a bit loud here, right? There we go. All right. Um, I'll just get a few things sorted. Uh, so, Rod, we're, we're at, a, at the wrong slide there. We're at the end. I'm giving away my secrets. That's the climax to everything I want to say. Oh, it's okay. It's not really. Um, all right, there we go. Now here's the first little slide, which is our second part in our series on Thanksgiving. And, um, oh, wait one second. Okay. I'll just, just wait a minute. You can share something with your neighbour if you like. How was your weekend? Was it good? I'm going to kill some time. How will I kill time right now? Uh, slides aren't that important. I'll tell you what I will do. I will, I will start because um, uh, I'm dropping pens and everything. It's all happening. Okay, I will, I will start. I'll give you a little question. Not really a question. I'm almost there. No, that's not the right one either. That's all right. I, can, I can actually do without it. Right, it's not the end of the world. So that's okay. Um, what we can do, if you've got a Bible, you can open up to Luke chapter 20 and you can also get your outline out in front of you. And so it's the one on the opposite, the Christmas hamper, Christmas hamper stuff, and I'll talk about that later on. You can get that. It's our second week on our series on Thanksgiving. And uh, we're going to be asking the question, what does Jesus say about giving? Yes, uh, money. I'm going to be talking about money and giving. Um, So I want to say straight away, I want to say thanks for coming and thanks for staying. Good, no one's got up and left. That's wonderful. Um, right now, what, what you could be going through, as I've opened this topic of, of giving and what does Jesus say about giving and money, you might be, there, there could be one response, or maybe two responses. It's the fight or flight right now. So at the moment, you're thinking, oh, I can, I can fight this, it's all right, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to get, get through it. Or there could be the flight. You've already checked out the exits, the doors are open, which is great. Uh, you could pretend you need to go to the toilet or something like that, and then off you go, and you're out of here. Um, I don't know. Or maybe when it comes to giving, you think, you, you know, you've nailed it. It's not a, you know, you've got this, you've got this, it's okay. Uh, you've got, you've, you, you give your share. You do, you give your 10%, you go by that rule and you're pretty happy. But for others, yes, there is a fear. Uh, you like having money. It's all right, I like having money. It's, uh, and you don't really want to change. And you worry about not having enough. Uh, how will I make ends meet? If I do give more, then how do I make ends meet? I've got expenses. Um, I've got to provide for my family, education, uh, holidays, uh, just putting food on the table, paying the bills. Christmas is coming up. Uh, holiday, oh, I've said holidays already. Holidays are important. Worth saying twice. Um, medical. How will, I, how will I do that? How will I... Um, uh, have enough for my family. Here's a funny little graph here. Uh, which do you fear more, running out of money or, or death? Uh, isn't that interesting? I don't know how true that is, but it, I think it's fairly true for a lot of people. Uh, aged 44 to 75. Um, yeah, there you go. Will I be seen as greedy if I don't give more or how much I give, will I be seen as greedy? They're all questions that bring a bit of fear to us as we think about what Jesus says about giving. Today, I'm going to be speaking to regulars, uh, people who call this church their church home. Okay, That's really important to know. If you're new or visiting today or, or, or you're just sort of getting to know us a little bit, um, 
I'm really pleased you're here. It's great you're here. Uh, I'm pleased because Jesus says a lot about um, money. And he says a lot about our hearts. We'll get to that. But I'm also really pleased because you get a chance to understand what we as a church say and think and feel about money. Okay. So here's the first thing. We're going to paint a bit of a picture of what Jesus says about uh, giving. The first thing we want to see is that uh, Jesus, at the, at the very heart of the Bible's message, is the God that gives. The very heart of the Bible's message is the God that gives. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave. Uh, at the heart of the Bible is the God that gives. The heart of the gospel is the generous God, a giving God. His magnificent gift, a sacrificial gift of his son, his one and only son. I have, uh, I have two sons, strapping young men they are. Uh, could I give them over to death so that someone might live? Not in a million years. Not a chance. <laughs> but God does, doesn't he? That's what God does. God's sacrificial love, it's, it's so extraordinary. We see it in the cross. We see it so extraordinary because we don't deserve it. And that's what grace is. Uh, Jesus died for us and we do not deserve that. God gives his love to us. He gives his son to us even though we turn our back on him. The Bible calls that sin. That's how much God loves you, that he gave his one and only son so that you might live. God is the God that gives. At the heart of the gospel is the generous God. And this generous God, in his grace, promises to provide all that we need as we seek first his kingdom. Thus, Riley uh, part of the team. Riley, you ready to go? Good man. Um, he's going to come up and read um, Matthew, 9, Matthew 6, 19 to 33. It's up on the screen as well. There we go. Do not store wealth up for yourselves, treasure not treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? 
O you of little faith, so do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Sorry, it's a bit slow with the clicker there. Uh, Hope you're listening well. See, just as God in his generosity uh, provided the gift of his son, gave the gift of his son, as we seek first God's kingdom, God promises to provide our material needs. Matthew 6 says what Jesus says. It's fascinating, isn't it? Just as God gives us his son and provides for us, God also provides for our material needs as we seek first his kingdom. You're probably wondering, how does God do that? Well, I take it God does that in the context of the Christian community as we love and care for each other, as we make sure that no one is in need. So Jesus says, do not worry. Do not fear. This really leads to our second little... uh, as we're drawing this, drawing up this picture of what Jesus says about giving, it's the second thing we need to see. Uh, we are to be content in the God that gives. So that's the second point in our outline. Uh, contentment in the God that gives. I did read about this farmer recently who started complaining about uh, the lake on his property, that he was always having to thin the fish out. And then, then he complained to about the rolling hills. The rolling hills made it a little bit difficult to run fence rows. Um, and he, he couldn't see the cows because there was so much territory to cover. He didn't like that either. It was such an expansive property. And at night he found it hard too to walk from the barn to the house because it was so dark. It was really difficult. And so he decided he's going he's to sell up and move somewhere really nice. That's... That's what he decided to do. So he talked to the real estate agent and he, um, you know, you draw up the plans, you talk about what sort of ad's going to go in and, and away they went. Well, a few days, a few days later, um, he opened up the local paper and he saw an ad and this new place caught his eye and it was an ad for a lovely country home, ideal location, very peaceful, quiet, great soft rolling hills are described, a lake stocked with bass. There was a classic barn described with love, beautiful soft green grass around it with natural flowers. A herd of black Angus cows came with the purchase as well. It was close to town, uh, not too close, so it didn't get affected by the traffic or the, or the lights or anything like that. It was very peaceful, um, but convenient too. Well, he was excited. He saw this ad. He, he read it again. Oh, it looked really good. Oh, this, is, this might be it. He read it a third time, and then it dawned on him. He realised that he was reading the description of the property he currently owned. (laughs) See, friends, the, the challenge for Christians is instead of always wanting more and chasing after what will not last, where moth and rust destroy, the challenge is to be content in the God that gives rather than always wanting more of what God gives. So Jesus says, seek first his kingdom. In other words, trust God's generosity, God's provision, and be content in him. 
surrender my desires to his. That's what he says, doesn't he? When he says, seek first God's kingdom. Friends, our contentment, contentment is the, the prerequisite for giving. Contentment is the prerequisite for generosity. In fact, contentment breeds generosity. When we're content, there is a great freedom and joy in that. There's a burden removed. And so Jesus says that, that this, an attitude of contentment actually opens the door for not just giving, as everything has been given to us anyway. We thought about that last week. But it also opens the door to humility and love and, and thankfulness. Contentment delivers us from an abundance of temptations. It's a common lie to think that my ability to give hangs more on how much I earn than on my feelings of contentment. Let me say that again. I think it's a common lie, it's a misconception to think that my ability to give hangs, on, hangs more on how much I earn than on my feelings of contentment. See, no matter how much I earn, there'll always be something to spend on, or spend it on. Unless at some point I'm actually satisfied with what I already have. Uh, money will always be in short supply if I'm not content. So, here's where we've gone so far. We've seen that, that God is a generous God. So generous, he gave us his one and only son. God is a giving God. That same God promises to provide all our needs. And I think he does that through the Christian community, making sure that no one is in need. That's probably another sermon for another day. That's the first thing we said. The second thing we've said is that contentment, we ought to be therefore content in that God who provides, in that God who gives. That's what we've said so far. Now we turn over to Luke chapter 20. Luke 20 gives us an example of generosity springing out of such contentment. So it's the third thing Jesus really says about giving uh, as we paint this picture of uh, Jesus' teaching on giving. Give generously like the generous God. So if you've got a Bible there, look at uh, chapter 20, verse 45. And we've seen the context is the Jerusalem temple. Uh, Jesus is near death. Uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are really trying to trap him. Uh, they're circling around him, trying to trap him and, and trick him to say something that, um, that might catch him out, arguing with him and so on. The disciples are with him and they're all listening in. The teachers of the law, they're the rich and security is in their works. So, for example, in their appearances, the long and flowing robes, Jesus described what they wear, their wealth... Uh, their security is in recognition. They get the important seats at the synagogue. Do you pick up that as well? And they're greedy. Look what Jesus says about these people. They devour widows' houses. So they prey upon the weak and, and the, the helpless in those days. That's that they were. They're the ones who uh, knock on doors and move around and prey upon those sort of people. That's the teachers of the law. It's the rich now we get to verses, uh, chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. Here's what it says. I'm read it up on the screen if you like. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, 
put in all that she all she had to live on. You see the contrast? It's pretty clear, isn't it? The contrast between the rich, the teachers of the law, and this poor widow, who puts in much less, but who understood and trusts in God, who understood that God provides. Uh, what she has has been given to her anyway. I wonder if she was there when Jesus spoke of the lilies of the field from Matthew 6 that Riley read to, read to us a moment ago. I wonder if she was there hearing that. I don't know. And therefore, in trust and confidence in God's promises, she is able to give all that she had to live on. So she does. You see, real generosity is always sacrificial. Here's a good challenge for all of us. See, if you could give more, are you really being generous? If you could give more, if I can give more, am I really being generous? Fair question. Here's what someone said at some point somewhere. <laughs> it's in my notes. The measure of true sacrifice is not what we give, but what we keep. I think that's true. I think that's true. The measure of true sacrifice is not what we give, but what we keep. Let me tell you a joke for a minute. Just to lighten the mood. Anglican and a Presbyterian and a Baptist walked into a bar. Actually, it doesn't start like that. I just wanted to say that sentence. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a good joke? Maybe they did walk into a bar, I don't know. But anyway, they were, they were working out together. This Anglican and a Presbyterian and a Baptist were... were working out how much they should give as they sat around and enjoyed a lemonade. Um, it's easy, said the Anglican. I just open my wallet and throw it all up in the air. And what God takes, he takes, he keeps, and everything that falls to the ground is mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> silly. See, the issue, the issue is not the amount. We don't want to get caught up in that. The issue is not the amount when it comes to giving. Jesus makes the same point with the widow as he does with the rich man. Now, the rich man who, who Jesus says, he, he tells him to sell everything and give to the poor. You might remember this story. The rich man, he says back to Jesus, well, I've kept some of the Ten Commandments. I've, I've kept this, that and the other. But Jesus says, no, no, you haven't kept the ones to do with God. You haven't kept the ones that say, there's no other gods but me. You haven't kept the one about idols. Jesus knew his heart. Uh, money meant more to him than a relationship with God. His security was in his wealth. Fear prevented him from giving. Now the temptation is to think that we just need to give our share and, and we're good. We've done our bit. There's a story of, a, of the man on the mission field who was uh, sitting up in a second-storey room and he's writing a letter to, to home. And uh, he looked through the window and he, he looked down and he saw a homeless man. And he had a bit of pity on this homeless man. And so he wrote a little card and a, a, got an envelope out and put $10 in, in this envelope. And he uh, said on the envelope just some simple words. He just wrote, don't despair. And he, and he threw it down to the man. And uh, the man picked it up, he looked at it, and he, and he walked away quickly. 
The next day, this homeless man came banging on the missionary man's door. Bang, 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 bang. And he had this roll of cash on him. And he shoved it in the missionary's face and said, it's yours, it's your share, it's your share. Don't despair, came in at 60 to 1. <laughs> boom, boom. Um, <laughs> yes. So that, that's, that's sometimes what we think when we think about giving. We think, oh, it's just my share. I'm just doing my bit. I'm just, my, here's, here's my percentage even. For example, the Old Testament tithe. That was the tax for God's people uh, to give 10% of their produce or crop uh, once or twice a year to the Levites. Uh, the Levites were the, were the, the group, of, uh, the tribe, that looked after the, the, the sacrificial system, uh, the temple and, and before that the tabernacle. Uh, Jesus does not teach tithing. Uh, there, are, there are no Levites and priests anymore, are there? No. No. Uh, the New Testament teaches the priesthood of all believers, in fact. Uh, Jesus is the great high priest. Jesus comes to fulfill the law and he changes our hearts. That's what he does. There's nothing in the New Testament that actually prescribes a 10% tithe. Uh, if you really look into it, it probably should be 20%. Um, I can give you some stuff to think about later if you like, if that's the way you want to go. But the New Testament speaks of transforming hearts, a generous hearts, by grace Contentment in God's generosity. That's what the New Testament teaches. For example, the widow. For example, the disciples in Mark, the, the disciples in Mark 10, in contrast to the rich man. Back to that story again. Remember the rich man who couldn't leave anything. Uh, he couldn't leave his, his wealth and riches. But the disciples, I've got up on the screen here, the disciples have left everything. Mark 10, 28. We have left everything to follow you, the disciples say, in contrast to the rich man. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. We've left everything. See the contrast? They're not counting uh, the percentages, are they? Now, um, probably should have checked with Michelle this once already, uh, but if Michelle and I, right now in our lives... If, if we gave 10%, I'm just giving you an example, so we're at. If we gave 10%, I don't think that would be generous right now. I'm glad she's nodding. Um, uh, I don't think it would be generous for us to give 10%, to be really frank and honest with you. If you want to know how much I give, you can come and ask me later on. Um, uh, but 16 years ago, uh, when, I was, when we were, I was studying at Bible College, um, we had next to no income. Uh, giving 10% probably would have been a little bit irresponsible. We, we, we couldn't afford to do that. We gave in other ways and in, in other, were generous in other ways, but that, that's okay. That was the situation in life we're at. But right now, for us right now, I don't think 10% would be very generous. Um, anyway, that's all I say about that right now. Let, let's tie a few things together. See what we've done so far. We've seen that the gospel is... is is of a generous God. We've seen that we ought to be content in the God that gives. And so we ought to give generously like the generous God. That's what we've been saying. The two examples are uh, the widow and, uh, that, and the disciples, really. So, let's conclude. Let me, let me ask then. Uh, if you were asked to draw up a profile of the average Christian, so what does the average Christian look like? 
might be thinking in your head, well, right, they go to church regularly, they're church attendants, um, they read their Bibles, they pray, they're the average Christian. Greek philosopher uh, in Athens, a converted Greek philosopher in Athens in 150 AD, a long time ago, Aristides his name was, he was asked a similar question of Christians at that time. So we're talking the early church. He was asked this question of, well, what does the average Christian look like? What, what do they do? Well, let me, uh, let me show you, and I hope that's not too small to read, but let me read to you what, uh, how he answered this question. He said, it's early Christians, very early church. They worship no other god than him, uh, God the creator, maker of all things. They do not worship strange gods. Their wives, as pure as virgins, their daughters, modest, and their men refrain from wine, lawful intercourse and uncleanness. If they see a stranger, they bring him under their roof. If they hear that any of their number is imprisoned or oppressed, all of them provide for his needs. And if there is anyone, if there is among them a man that is poor and needy, they fast two or three days that they may supply the needy with all the necessary food. Fascinating, isn't it? There's the early church uh, caring for one another, making sure no one's in need. You see the generosity, don't you? Friends, giving is, um, is not just about money, is it, though? Uh, it, it's about having a heart of generosity that springs from contentment in God's generosity with us. Uh, so caring for others, hospitality, time, they're equally good opportunities to be generous. But if we're honest, if we're honest, it's our attitude to money which defines our hearts, our contentment in God. I once heard it said that the last two things to be converted are always our wallets and our right foot. That's the accelerator pedal in the car. Still praying for God to work on me on that one. Um, no, I'm not too bad. So let's not fear, hey? Let's not fear. God is good. God's a generous God. So generous he gave us his son. Let's be content in him and let's give generously just as God gives to us. I'm going to pray for us in a moment. Uh, up on the screen I'm going to have a, a, a prayer that you can pray from your own heart if you like. I'd like to do this now and then. We'll pray this prayer. If that's you, just say amen at the end. Now pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart if you like. Uh, and then we'll have a time for questions and comments. Uh, you might want to ask a, a practical question. I'm going to promise that I will give honest answers, okay? Let me pray. Gracious God, thank you for your goodness and mercy to us. Thank you for your grace in Jesus. Thank you that you gave us your son. Thank you that you promised to provide for our needs as we put Jesus first. Lord, help me trust in you and find my security in you and not in money. Lord, help me to surrender my life to you. I'm sorry that I haven't always done that. Please forgive me. Thank you for opportunities to be generous. Help me to live being content in what you have given me and being generous to others as I provide for those who have less. Amen. Okay, 